This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And I did the intro last time. Oh, and this is a this is a show uh, where uh, we go into the kitchen, we craft delicious foods, and then we consume them all uh, without sharing. Today, we are discussing boxed soup. So, soup that's not in a can. Yeah, so I think... Well, how did this go? Because, like, I think I said, should we, can we do canned soups? And you said, what about boxed soups? And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking of it in particular. Well, can I just go down memory lane? So I think that my first introduction to the idea of, uh, like, ready to eat or ready to use stuff in a box was with broth. I mean, I get ready to use stuff in a box all the time, but like paper towels. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, so I remember buying broth in a box. Oh, yeah. I buy buy the boxed broth all the time. Yeah. But I first encountered boxed soups within the past couple years because June once I I made some homemade tomato soup Mm -hmm. and June was like, you know, who makes the best tomato soup? Oh, no. Yeah. And I was like, who? And she was like, Natalie. And she meant Natalie Reha, our friend Natalie Reha. And I quickly, of course, texted Natalie Reha and told her I was going to kill her. (laughs) No, actually, I texted texted Natalie Reha and I said, oh, my God, please share your soup recipe. My child says it's the best tomato soup ever. No, Natalie just picked up her phone one day. It was a text review that says, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Anyway, and it turned out that Natalie's tomato soup that June loved so much and said was the best tomato soup was, in fact, Pacific Foods creamy tomato soup in a box. I'm going to taste some for the first time right now. See what you think. Pretty good, yeah. The truth is we should probably be doing a tomato soup show. I think we did do a tomato soup show. Comparing this to, like, Campbell's tomato bisque. Oh, I don't know if I've ever had Campbell's tomato bisque. Actually, I think we've eaten it on the show together, and I think when we did eat it, I think we decided it was saltier than we than we wanted. Because I usually, when I usually make Campbell's tomato soup, I do like half a can of water and half a can of milk. I find like a whole can of milk is a little too milky, too a little mm. too creamy for me. Did you shake this really well? I thought I did, but I didn't. 
I think you didn't. See, this is my main problem. But I still, with, but I like it. This is my main problem with this soup. If you don't shake it hard enough, and you got to shake it really hard. Why didn't you warn me before? Because I, I, I this is the thing. I never remember until okay. it's too late, and then I'm like, oh right. Is is this like the thick think, end that we got no, here? No, I think this is the thin end. Oh, but there was like. There was like a plug of tomato solids that like schlumped out into the pot in a very upsetting well, way. Maybe, maybe this is how it is. I mean, I th- I like the texture. You do? I think this is good. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so this is the soup that my child loves more than me. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's a good soup, and like unlike a canned soup, I can now put this back in the fridge and have more later. Right? Exactly. We're gonna get to that. Okay. Okay, Matthew, tell me about your boxed soup memory lane. Um, I buy the like the Swanson natural goodness chicken broth in a box, and I don't think I've ever bought a boxed soup until I never thought about boxed soup until you mentioned it. And I even cheated because I got like two boxed soups and one jarred soup because I interpreted it your you know, directive to me not can non canned soup. You know, I think we should call this episode. Resealable soups. Resealable <laughs> soups. I like that. Right? Because yes. this. Oh, yes. Whoops. I just dripped uh, soup on my agenda. It's fine. That's why we have it. Mm. You know, the more sips I take of this, the more thickness I'm getting, and I'm appreciating. I it. think it's. I think it's thick with a two C's. With yeah. A, this, with no, a this what? Is with two C's, like T H I C C. Thick. I think this is better than Campbell's. Mm, I think it's really good. I noticed, but didn't buy, and now wish I had bought. When I bought this Pacific Foods organic creamy tomato soup, they also have an oat milk version now. Oh. And I feel like I every time I've tried something oat milk, I've liked it. Okay. So I might get that. Shall I talk about uh, what I learned? Yeah, I want to talk about what you, what you learned, but I also want to try these other soups before they get too cold. But they're so hot right now. Okay, great. Perfect. Okay. No, no, but you can eat soup and I'll talk. Okay, great. This, is a, this sounds like a really good deal. Can we do this just like every time? <laughs> yeah. No, no, don't care for this one, Matthew. What the heck is going on there? That is like watered down dirt. Do we even want to say what it is? It's it's a Trader Joe's item. That was no, that's not good. How's this one? This This one's all right. I I, the noodles are really soft, of course, but I guess it's chicken noodles, so they're supposed to be. Hmm. I think it's fine. It tastes like it's. This is Rayo's made for home slow simmered chicken noodle soup in a jar. First of all, chicken noodle soup in a jar looks appalling. It does. It truly looks like um, gefilte fish or something. Yes, that's, I brought it home and wife of the show, Lori, said, did you buy gefilte fish? Yes. Um, I think this is fine as far as like a canned chicken noodle soup goes. Uh, like if you went into Rayo's, the restaurant, and they served this. You'd like, be like zero stars. Yeah. If you were a, a Zagat's reviewer. Well, Zagat, it would have to be like zero to tw- one to 20. Mm, okay. Uh, all right. So uh, most of the research for for today's show comes from a website called PackagingInsights.com. I'm so excited about this. Um, I spent a, a good chunk of my morning on PackagingInsights.com. And uh, I learned that. You know, of course, the first package soups uh, were sold in cans, as you can imagine. Um, I, I don't know if I if I would have been totally confident in saying that. Like, I, maybe yeah. maybe before that they they were sold <laughs> just in that cardboard box, or like in a sheep's bladder. <laughs> in a, or something. Yeah, a sheep's bladder. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, I uh, I believe Campbell's brought them to the market in 1895. Okay. Do you okay. know what their first products were? It was yes, it was a beefsteak tomato soup. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's weirdly specific. Right? But uh, of course, these days there are so many different ways of packaging soups and other like liquids that are ready to consume. Mm-hmm. And this is in part because there are like a lot of problems with cans. Yeah. I mean, let's let's shall we count the problems with cans? Okay. 
Um, what do you think is a problem with cans? Well, they're round, so they don't pack as efficiently. Okay. Right? Yep. yep. That's okay. correct. That's correct. Also, they require a can opener or some sort of a mechanism for being open. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like a lot more and more cans these days have like a pull tab. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that scares me like even more so. I feel like I'm going to like pull it and somehow like lacerate myself while pulling it, which I, has never happened. I feel but... that way every time I open a tuna can. Yeah. Yeah. But I keep opening tuna cans. And how many times have you lacerated yourself? Zero. Okay. Um, so far, so good. So anyway, uh, so yeah, they, they require a can opener or some sort of like, you know, mechanism to open them. They're heavy, uh, which of course like costs more or costs a lot to ship. To ship, yeah, yeah. sure. Then of course they don't stack easily. You know, some of them stack nicely on top of each other, but not all of them. No, and that's a good point that like if you like if you're hiring uh for for like a, a shelf shelfer at, at a supermarket, mm-hmm. um like you need someone who can make a pyramid of cans. Yes. That that skill may not be as easy to come by as it once was. Yeah, so the so the can needs to cobble itself. The can needs to cobble itself. Yes. Yeah. But I um, mean I feel like they did they have started making like started like probably 50 years ago um cans cans that are kind of like smaller at one end so they stack better, you know what I mean? But every now and then you encounter one that like doesn't fit properly into your other can. Mhm. They the- dent. Cans dent. They dent. Um, and then it's difficult to get them open. And the other thing is you can't easily reseal them. Yeah. You I, know, I, I mean, never thought about all the problems with cans until now. And now, now I'm going to be thinking about this when I'm up tonight trying to sleep. I mean, this did create the marketing opportunity that was like special little plastic lids yeah. for your tin can. We have those, but only for pet food. Yeah. But anyway, so so despite, you know, all these problems with cans, what actually kind of prompted innovations in packaging of ready to eat foods uh, was the military. Okay. This innovation was like spurred on by the needs of the military because they needed lighter packaging that was still shelf stable and cost efficient. But I mean, that's not that's not like a new problem, right? No, no. This I mean, this dates way back. I mean, I think that you can imagine, you know, transporting food for your troops. Cans are going to get real problematic. Absolutely. No, like I I I don't know a lot about like military combat, but I imagine like if I had to carry a can opener, I would rather just have like another small gun. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the first solution, uh, as you might imagine, was pouches, right? Sure. I mean, think about like all those military movies with like, you know, your your MRE pouches. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, wait. What are your top three favorite military movies with pouches? <laughs> Full metal pouch. That's um, got to be number one. Battle of the Battle of, of the, the Joey pouch. Bulge. Battle of the Joey Bulge. <laughs> Hi, I'm Joey Bulge. Um, no, it's and, it's your your pouch is bulging because you got a Joey in there. Okay, that makes sense. And um, Hamburger Hill, which is about a hamburger that comes in a pouch. That was a movie, right? <laughs> okay, hang on. So uh, let us take a moment. So we've just imagined all the problems with cans, which we didn't yes. have to imagine. We didn't have to imagine because they're all but too real. But now let's imagine the challenges presented by liquid in a pouch. <laughs> what if the movie was called <laughs> instead of Platoon, it was Pouch Tune? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's funny. Yeah. You know, it's we, not, we really. started watching Band of Brothers on HBO mm. last week. We were like a decade behind. I, isn't that like something like a grandpa would watch? <laughs> yes, well, right? we've, been wa- we've been like working our way through Ken Burns documentary. Okay. So this was the logical next step. So, uh, yeah. Let's picture soup in a pouch, okay? So, like, unless it has a, like, stand-up bottom, it Mm -hmm. tips over. You can't reseal it. Like, I mean, I've eaten out of pouches while backpacking. Oh, yeah. We ate backpacking food out of a pouch. And it is still, actually, I believe, the fastest-growing packaging format, even today. Okay, because I've noticed, like, tuna in a pouch. Like, yep. what What else can you get? Like, Oh, actually, you know what? We have some, like, cowboy beans in a pouch in the root cellar right now. Yes, my mother has some beans in a pouch in, <laughs> in her, her uh, pantry. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a line for a country song. <laughs> Doesn't it? No, but also, I mean, even just think about all the other things that are... <laughs> Like other household products that are coming in pouches these days, like refills for your soap or your shampoo. Or, or like like uh, laundry pods. You can get those in a pouch. Oh, yeah. Like, I have a pouch of dishwasher pods. Yeah, we got, we got pouches. So anyway, pouches are uh, the fastest growing packaging format, everybody. Okay, so let, but let's go back to like the theater of war. Because okay. um, I feel like a pouch would would uh, rupture too easily. So this was a big problem okay. with pouches, and in fact, you know, part of packaging innovations is in making pouches more like puncture resistant. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, and also pouches that must be really fun research to do, right? Because you're just like you like, look so excited right now <laughs> thinking like, about it. I mean, you just get to stab stuff. We're we're gonna you, need to find real jobs at some point, and if we could just like stab pouches full of soup <laughs> and get paid for it, uh, okay. However, paper cartons started to get big, at least in a um, you know a global sense, mm-hmm. because people have become wary of single use packaging, and so sure. they now want their soup packages to be like eco friendly, like made from recyclable materials or recyclable themselves. I think I first encountered this type of paper carton, resealable paper paper carton in the form of soy milk. I think I first encountered it actually um, on a trip to Europe when I was a teenager. That was the oh, first time yeah. I ever saw like a Tetra Pak. Okay, yeah, because I think Europe milk. was ahead of the they US were. in terms of like UHT milk. And right? I wonder how much of that is because the company Tetra Pak, uh, which is a Swedish Swiss company founded in the 40s, they brought like their you know packaging the which is basically like layers of plastic and mm-hmm. polymer over paper. They brought that to market in the sixties. Okay, which that makes is sense. Way before we started seeing boxes of oh, things yeah. here. I mean, we were still doing cans and and Pouches. like glass milk jugs. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, these days people want their packaging to uh, ha- have more than one lifespan. Would yeah, you say? I mean. Is this actually recyclable? Are we going to get to that? So I think what we're going to... Well, so hold on. We're going to get there. (laughs) All right. So people have a lot of demands, as you may have noticed. Yes, I have noticed that. People want things to no longer be single use, but they still want them to be convenient, resealable, uh, lightweight, and easy to like pack. Uh, And I demand a job punching and stabbing pouches of soup. Yes. 
So now companies like put all kinds of jargon and stuff on their packages about them being certified eco-friendly, et cetera, because mm-hmm. this is a selling point now. Yeah, so, absolutely. But one thing that you will notice is, so looking at this Trader Joe's thing, this is made by Tetra Pak. Yep. This one is also the Pacific Foods. It says, please recycle. But here's the thing. What I understand about about at least the vast majority of these Tetra Pak packaging is that they cannot be recycled in ordinary, like, music municipal recycling. Yeah, I it's would like not a ra- think so. I mean, I wonder if, for instance, in Tokyo, there's like a separate category of recycling that is Tetra Pak. I wouldn't be surprised. Because, yeah, I, I have never recycled one of these. However, I do sometimes see that they are made of recycled materials. Okay. Yeah, I don't really understand why people think this is more eco-friendly. Then, like, then an aluminum can? Yeah, I... I don't know. Because this has plastic. Right. Like, yeah. Because alum- aluminum cans can actually be recycled and most plastic cannot. This is correct. But that, I mean, but that that's not the whole story, of course, because then you have to ask, like, you know, how much uh, energy and carbon goes into making the product and recycling the product. And let's get deeply into that on yes. our show. Yes. Anyway, so, but yeah. But in terms of convenience... Like, I am kind of sold. I do think there's much less food waste, f- at least in my yes, household, absolutely. from using boxes as opposed to cans. Yes. No, if I open a can of broth and use half of it, I'm not saving half a can of I actually do. Broth. Yeah, but I'm not you. Okay. I'm a bad man. <laughs> you are a bad, bad man. This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen. Uh, They've got, you can borrow appliances, like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it, no charge. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, so like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post-meeting drink. You can bring your pet Totally allowed. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built-in alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier (laughs) when I am traveling and I have like a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. So like a whole closet system where I can really like unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then. And this is Town Place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Impact. 
Tetra Pak actually took a long time to catch on in the U.S. because Americans found it too inconvenient to open. This was before they came up with these oh, like resealable right. tops. The the it used to be that you would have to like kind of pull up the corners, pinch it, and use scissors to cut it open. Yes, like and like pomi tomatoes. Yes. Oh yeah. I don't. I, mm-hmm. Yes, I've definitely mm-hmm. opened those pomi tomatoes. Yeah, that was super inconvenient, and then it would like drip. Yep. But then then they had like this one where you would like flip up a plastic thing and pull off a uh, foil like those were not great those were not great and they were not resealable right i mean they sort of were like you could put the plastic back down and it would sort of click shut but only sort of and then they came up with this uh twist off top that actually works yeah the twist off top is a great innovation but yeah i i don't feel that i'm doing anything good for the earth when i buy this nonsense no Anyway, but but, it, but the the creamy tomato soup is good. Yes. Anyway, Matthew, we could talk for hours about aseptic processing like and packaging. To. Tetra Pak. This this is apparently our Tetra Pak episode. Tetra Pak was a like a really good solution to aseptic processing. So what is aseptic processing? Well, it basically means that you're able to put something sterile sterilized into a container and, and have the whole thing be sterile. Okay, is the, that is a technical definition. Is is what's in the package different from a canned soup? I don't think so, but my understanding is that the way that the whole thing is made aseptic varies according to the vessel. Like okay. some things like like the soup is sterilized and the container is sterilized. Then you unite them in holy sterilization. Okay. That sounds very romantic. In other things, you actually warm the the contents of the vessel inside the vessel. Okay. And then there are other things. You know, we can link to the Wikipedia entry for aseptic processing because there are many different ways of making sterile, shelf-stable food. Okay, a couple things. I've noticed when I went shopping for boxed soups that they tend to come in a larger format than canned soups. And I assume that's because, like, it's more efficient that way and people are still willing to buy it because they know that they can they can just close the package and put it back in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Does that seem right? Mm-hmm. That seems right. And why hasn't Campbell's gotten into this game, do you think? Or have they and I just didn't notice? Maybe. The, I, I'm, I'm almost certain they have. Yeah. But I do think that there's also um, – there is – one thing that I found on PackagingInsights.com uh-huh. is that there's a lot of nostalgia for the, the soup can. You know? I oh, mean, yeah. Like, no, if you they know, change like the Campbell's tomato, canned tomato soup label, people – lose their shit well and apparently the the advent of the pull tab has has definitely caused uh like kind of a resurgence in the the market for canned ready to eat because so many people have lost their can opener and so many people have lost their can opener or traded it for tiny guns (laughs) (laughs) i mean that would be <laughs> Sorry, I, I mean, this soup. sounds like a uniquely American yeah, solution. Yeah, I was going to say, that's funny and also probably true. And very sad. Okay, Matthew, I, that's all I've got on boxed soups. Okay, but, no. I, you know, I learned some stuff. I'd never thought about all of this before. No, no, it's been, it's, it, where do you think soup packaging is going next? <laughs> you know, as Matthew. A, as a noted futurist. You know, the same way that, so whenever I get invited on a panel where I'm supposed to talk about food trends, <laughs> yeah. I'm always like... You have come to the wrong place. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to pass on that question. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a stab at it. 
Oh, you're going to stab the pouch. I'm going to stab the pouch. Yeah, I think we're going to go back to stabbable pouches. Okay, okay. I do think pouches are we're gonna we're gonna see more and more pouches. You know, because people like pouches because you can flatten them and and when you picture a landfill, you can picture maybe the pouches taking up less space. I than love these to boxes. picture a landfill. Yeah, I mean, I picture myself on a boat on a river, uh, rafting through a landfill. There's nothing that will make you um, produce less trash than going to a dump or a transfer station. Yeah, you said you were going to take me to the transfer station. Oh God, sometime. we let's, should let's do, do an do episode at the transfer station. Okay. It'll be like, um, it'll be galvanizing for you, Matthew. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, here's my prediction, and I'm sort of serious. You know how people love seeing what's inside the container? Mm. Like like you know now when you buy a box of pasta, there's like there's always a window. Yeah. Um I think there's going to they're going to be like the same aseptic tetra pack but they're going to put a window in it so you can see the soup. I think we're going to see more and more packaging that you can see inside. Like yes. peeping tom however, packaging. Peeping tom packaging. However, looking at this uh Rayo's <laughs> um, chicken noodle soup in a jar, like people think they want that but they actually don't. No. No. All right. Okay. Segments. All right. So, Matthew, I got to tell you, I, I I read the what's new in the underworld mm-hmm. stuff that you wrote here, but I thought that it was our spilled mail. <laughs> I was so confused. <laughs> okay. So, this is our segment, What's New in the Underworld. This is uh, not me talking, but I asked uh, Teenager of the Show December, who's been okay. playing a lot of the game Hades, uh, which, uh, hey, if you want to sponsor us, the game Hades, get in touch. Okay. Contact at SpilledBugPodcast.com. And I asked them, what is new in the underworld? And they replied, uh, I bought a rod of fishing and can now catch fish. Wait and- a minute, a rod of fishing? Yeah, that's what they that's what they called a fishing rod in ancient Greece. No way. <laughs> this is okay. Go on. But that is what they call it in the game, and can now catch fish and give them to the house chef, who is a ghost. This sounds a lot like Animal Crossing, but it the does, house chef right? is like a turkey. And some of the fish you can catch are crustacean and clam, which is spelled C H L A M. Clam. Clam. Okay. Uh, also, slavug and gup, which is G U P P. Okay. So, wow. All right. More reports Been a lot from the going underworld. On in the Underworld. Okay. Today we've got a spilled mail, and and Matthew, um, I'm going to let you read it. This is from listener Karen, who writes, Hi, host, host, and Abby. (laughs) I love that greeting. (laughs) What is biscuits and gravy, and why does it exist? I live in Sweden, and sometimes I hear about weird names for meals, weird ingredients, or combinations of foods from American influencers, etc. Do you think that's us, American influencers? Oh, that's us. Yeah. Yeah. I usually just Google it and realize there's a Swedish similar dish or something that at least sounds good. But biscuits and gravy, why? And how does it taste? My my thoughts exactly, listener Karen. Why is oh, my boy. response. Oh, boy. We, we are we're not in so much trouble. We are not biscuits and gravy ambassadors here at Spilled Milk. We're not influencers of biscuits and gravy. I think it's I when I've had it, I thought it was oh fine. Oh my god, a gravy is the most condimenty of condiments. You no. eat gravy? No, it isn't. Ew, Cause, gravy, gravy is the worst. What? Now gravy just seems like 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 something that's part of a thing. No, absolutely not. I no. I have never managed to get a 
a bite of biscuits and gravy into my mouth. Wow. No, yeah, I didn't no, know this I would go this way at all. I no, I've had, I've had it a few times. It's it's not like a, a big common thing in the Northwest the way it is in the South. But whenever I've had it, I'm like, this is tasty. Like, I, I'm not I'm not, I'm not someone who makes gravy. But the, the whole thing with biscuits is, is the texture. Or a big part of the biscuit eating experience is texture. And the gravy, like, really quickly smothers that texture under glue. But we didn't even answer the question, what is biscuits oh. and gravy? So it's, so it's like fluffy, fluffy biscuits. And like, I don't know for sure if it's clear if you're in Sweden that we are talking about biscuits in t- as like a s- sort of a scone-like, mm-hmm. fluffy or flaky. Uh, L- like leavened. Leavened, baked good. Yeah. Not a cookie. That's correct. And then the gravy in biscuits and gravy is usually a white gravy. Yeah. Uh, sometimes called a sawmill gravy, usually made with sausage. Uh, so yeah, it usually has chunks of brown stuff in it, in mm-hmm. the white stuff. Uh, it looks a little bit like like clam chowder. It looks a little bit like clam chowder. But thicker. And you pour that over the biscuit, and <laughs> it is an abomination. <laughs> wow. I think... I think we this I think we just lost many listeners. Okay. Okay. I think biscuits and gravy is fine and I'm starting my own show that's called <laughs> Spilled Gravy. Okay. And you can find it or over here. Okay. Um, so I I trust that fully answered your question, Great. <laughs> listener okay. Karen. Thank you for writing in. If you want to send us a question uh, that we will answer in a very satisfying way, contact <laughs> at spilledmilkpodcast.com. Now it's time for Now But Wow. All right. So I may have mentioned the company Diaspora Co. Mm -hmm. uh, on Now But Wow before. Uh, I think they're probably best known for their turmeric. Uh, So Diaspora Co. is is headed up by a queer Indian woman who lives in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, named Sana Javeri Kadri. She is sourcing spices directly from growers in her home country. That's great. As well as in other parts of Asia. And in particular, what I want to talk about today is her newly released cinnamon, Okay, which comes from Sri Lanka. You know, I actually haven't gotten my hands on it yet because as of the time of taping this episode, it's still quite new to the market. But you can order it from the Diaspora Co. website. It is, um, it's called Penny Miris Cinnamon. Okay. And it's, yeah, it's the only cinnamon they carry. And I'm sure just like all the other spices they carry, it is going to be exceptional. I love the idea because like I, you know, I typically order spices from, spices, (laughs) spices from, from Penzies. And even though I like Penzies a lot, like most places that you order spices from, they carry like 130 different spices and there's no way they're like putting care into the sourcing and tasting of all of them. Yeah, no, Sana, I mean, Sana's family still lives in India and she is back there all the time. I think she's even thought about moving back there. Uh, Anyway, and so she is out on sourcing trips at these farms I think that she is somewhat of a force of nature. She's like in her mid-20s doing all of this. That's amazing. And uh, what are we doing with our lives? So diasporaco.com. Yeah. Go order some cinnamon, order some turmeric. They've also got some delicious dried chilies. All right. I'm in. Yeah. Get it. Uh, Our producer is Abby Circatella. 
And uh, you can rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you want to hang out with other people who listen to Spilled Milk, just go to reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. It's a message board where you can talk to people about the show. Yeah. And, you uh, can also pick out your own cute little avatar. I know what people are going to be talking about after this episode. It's uh, how Molly and Matthew are the worst because of what they said about biscuits and gravy. Oh, no. It's fine. We deserve it. Okay. Well, um, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk, the show that... That just got gravied. I'm Matthew Amsterburton. You're going to accept that? <laughs> Good gravy. This show was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Matthew Amsterburton. And I'm Molly Weiss. I'm very upset, right? Wow, you are struggling with that mic and the soup. Hang on. I'm eating soup now, too. Who's going to talk? Too bad Mrs. Cubison isn't here. Mm-hmm. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.